Good morning. How are we doing? Good. Excellent. Well, Happy New Year, and again, it is great to have you with us. Uh, If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is John, and we're excited that you're here this morning to start a new year together as a church family, and we want to especially welcome back those of you. I know many of you have been traveling and have been out of town and and away from Des Moines for a while, so we want to welcome you back and and pray that you had a safe and and, and wonderful holiday uh, together. I don't know if you've noticed, but um, it's a little cold outside, isn't it? Just a little cold. Um, this is what we love about Iowa. And uh, in honor of the, the weather these days, I thought we'd do a little um, question and answer time, a little call and response. You're really going to have to be with it today. Are you awake? Yes. Is everybody awake? Okay. This is only going to work if you're really loud and into it. Okay? It's only going to work that way. Okay. So lucky for you, you have one line to remember. Okay? You have one line to remember. I'm going to say, it's been so cold this week, and your response is going to be, How cold is it? Okay, so let's practice that one time. It has been so cold this week. First try. Why did I even doubt? Okay, so I'm going to say that, then you'll respond, and then I'll tell you how cold it's been this week. So it has been so cold this week. When the farmers have been milking their cows, they've been getting ice cream. It's been so cold this week. The snowman, he knocked on my door and he wanted to sleep on the couch. It's been so cold this week. This morning, my cornflakes, they turned into frosted flakes. Just right before my eyes there. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. We'll try another couple more here. It's been so cold this week. I got a letter from Mid-American Energy and it was a letter of condolence. They're just really sorry. Yep. Last one, last one. It's been so cold this week. The paint on my house started to ask for a third coat. Yes. Okay. Boo. Yeah, there we go. You know what's good when you get the murmurs, not the laughs. Okay, so there you go. But there is some good news. This is incredible. I was looking at the forecast, and you may be thinking, John, you're just full of it. But I was looking at the forecast, and there's a bright spot. This is Channel 8's website. I don't know, but uh, get ready for Tuesday. So... If you watch the forecast on channel 13, you may need to watch the forecast on channel 8 more often. So get out your sunscreen. Does anybody want to go golfing on Tuesday? I'm up for it. So, yeah. So clear, but then there's a low of negative 5. That's the difficulty. So you'll want to get out during the day uh, and enjoy those warm temperatures. Um, So... Uh, the new year not only brings those cold temperatures, but it also brings a time for New Year's resolutions. Anybody making New Year's resolutions this year? Maybe you're kind of like, I'm going to tr- kind of raise my hand, and if it doesn't work out, then I'll just say I didn't. Um, but it's a, it's a time for New Year's resolutions. It's a time for, for new beginnings, uh, for setting new goals. And people set, people set goals, families set goals, businesses and companies set goals. They have New Year's resolutions, plans uh, for the new year, for the calendar year up ahead. And at Hope... That's no different. And so we feel like that God has given us some big goals for the year ahead. And what you may or may not know is that every year at Hope, at all of our campuses in West Des Moines, Ankeny, and here at City Branch, we go on a three-year cycle for what our emphasis was. And so every year, our focus uh, is on something different of church life. And this past year, as many of you know, it was the Bible, is reading through the Bible, becoming more fluent in the Bible. And a lot of you were in small groups for a year of the Bible. A lot of you read through the Bible, or at least the New Testament uh, this year. And so now, 2010, we're moving into a year focused on community. 
and doing community together, and next year will be a missions year. And it's not that we don't do missions this year, that we don't read the Bible, uh, just uh, like last year, uh, but it's, there's just a different emphasis every year. And so we're always dealing with aspects of all three. But coming up in 2010, it's a year where all of Hope, each campus is going to be taking a closer look at what does it look like for us to be the church in community. And so in 2010, our New Year's resolution as a church will be to go deeper in relationships and deeper in our relationships uh, with God. And so 2010, we're calling Life Together. Life Together. You're going to be hearing a lot about that. Life Together is, is a theme. Um, the, the, the Lutheran uh, theologian and pastor Diedrich Bonhoeffer, many of you have heard of him, he wrote a book called Life Together, and it talks about community. And so we're going to be looking at different aspects of that throughout the year, but that is our theme for the entire year. Last year was Year of the Bible. This year, it's a year of community, and we're calling it Life Together. And so today we're beginning a new sermon series on um, where we'll be exploring some different aspects. Today is more of an introduction, just going to give you you a little taste um, of what some of the things we're going to be looking at this year. How do we be a healthy, growing, effective church community? What does that look like for us? And so we've spent a year talking about the importance of scripture and letting that be the foundation of our lives. And now we're going to explore what it looks like, okay, what it looks like to live out that word in community. Because we don't want to just be hearers of the word, we want to be doers of the word. We want to be active as a church. And so this year is exploring uh, what that looks like, what that looks like to do in community. And because the truth is that you and I were created for community. A lot of people come into a church and they see it, well, that's just a Sunday morning thing. I come, I put in my time on Sunday morning, and then like small groups and, and all the groups and classes and all that stuff, that's just for the super Christians. That's just so those wackos that want to get together more than just Sunday morning. But chances are the people sitting next to you you kind of get to know them a little bit, right? You're all good-looking people. You're nice. Nobody's going to bite. It's a good-looking good, good group here. And so our challenge is, is to grow deeper into community and that small groups and getting together in people's homes and in coffee shops and in restaurants, wherever you meet, that that is normal for a church. We are a church of small groups. We're not a church with small groups, like you're going through the buffet and you can say, I'll take my Sunday morning and I'll take my chair team and I'll take my small groups. We want that to become normal. It's the main course. Church happens here, but church also happens when you leave those doors and when we go serve the city and when we meet together in each other's homes in small groups. You and I were created for community. God said from the beginning, it is not good for man to be alone. And that's not just saying that men really need women. That's saying we were created for a relationship, right? We were created for community. God created the family structure to show us that this is what community is supposed to look like. That's why I always refer to you as our church family, right? This is an extension. It's a bigger version of what your family looks like. You meet together in your home. You do life together. Right? And so that's what being the family of God looks like. God created the family structure, and through Jesus, he created this incredible body known as the church, or the family of God. And so all throughout scripture, God is pleading with his people, stay together. Stick together. You were not meant to do this alone. In fact, you are the body of Christ. And you function better when all the parts are together. And Paul talks about this in uh, 1 Corinthians. I believe we have this uh, up on the screen. But let's read what Paul says um, about the church body. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, 
And though all its parts are many, they form one body. And so at its core, community is really about functioning together. Just like our bodies function together, we need you. We need you to be a part of this community. It's about doing life together. You'll notice that our theme for this year is not religion together. (laughs) You'll notice that our theme this year is not Sunday morning together. There's a purpose behind it, and it's very significant. Life together, or not just churchy people doing life together. It's life together, and that includes those of us that are here today. That includes those people that are still yet to come. Church isn't something that offers you community for one hour a week. It's about sharing a common mission with people who all love the same thing. And in fact, it affects every area of our life. Like I said, it's not a buffet line where you say, I'll take some worship, I'll take some service, and then I'll take some community. (laughs) That's what we are. That's what we're doing here. We are a community in mission. And our scripture that Gerald read for us this morning talks about what does that look like when that's lived out, when we do life together. And so if you've got your Bibles, open up uh, to Acts chapter 2, because we're going to be kind of digging, digging into this today. And so Acts is right after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then Acts. It's going to be in the back half of your Bible, about three-fourths of the way through. Acts chapter 2. So you're looking for the big, the big number 2, and we're going to start at verse 44. Acts chapter 2, verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And to me, this doesn't sound like a group of people who are just putting in their time. You know what I mean? This doesn't sound like a group of people that's just saying, well, I'll just get my church in for the week. You know, like taking medicine or something like that. Just get me, just get me by. Just get me through it. These people aren't just putting in their time and, and hoping to live moral lives. These are people that we read about today in Acts in the early church that had decided that following Jesus meant a dramatic change in their lives. That you did not stay the same. It was not joining a club It was not just adding something on to your life. It rearranged everything about your life. It affected every area of your life. In fact, faith in Jesus meant that his teachings, that Jesus' way of life that he had lived out for them was starting to invade every area of their lives. And so it is with us. It's not just our church life or our spiritual life. Sometimes people say, I have a prayer life. And I say, that's great. I have a life. And prayer is a part of it, right? (laughs) I'm not judging them, it's just a little switch, but if you get that switch made in your mind, you start to see God in every aspect of life, and that's what we see here in the early church. There wasn't a church life and a home life and a school life and a work life. These people had a new identity, and so it is with us. We are a people that have a new identity, loved and chosen by God. We are the church. I see in this passage that the love of Jesus Christ consumed these people, and because of this, community became not something to add on. Community was the very lifeline of these people. Community was a joy for them because you wanted to share in this new life that you had found. 
It was too good to keep to yourself. If you found the greatest news in the world and it's transformed your life, of course you're going to want to be with people that are after the same thing, that are on a similar mission, that have a similar goal that you do. And so I think when you, when you think about this, I was thinking, you know, one of the first objections, one of the first, maybe not objections, but maybe just drawbacks that people have when we start talking about community and, oh, he's telling us to get in small groups again and all this. One of the big objections is time, isn't it? We're busy. We live really, really busy lives. There's a lot going on. And that's why we started with community as the very core, as the very center of what we are. A lot of you, it's, it's, it's this idea that, you know, wow, I just have to add that on and I have to kind of fit it into my schedule somehow because um, what the, 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 the issue is is that, that we say, you know, I've got this in my life and I've got this in my life and I've got this in my life and Christian community becomes an add-on. But you can sit there and, and agree with most everything I'm saying today, but nothing will change for a lot of you. Because you hear this message and you say, yes, I've heard that before. I've, I've you know, maybe experienced community before. I've been a part of a different church. I've, I've been burned or it just hasn't worked out with my schedule. We see it as an add-on. But I think we see it as one more thing when we have to kind of crunch it into our lives into what we're already doing. Now, granted, times are different now than they were when the early church was meeting. But when I look at these people in Acts scheduling doesn't seem to be an issue for them for some reason because being a part of this group meant everything to them if if i'm if i'm going after the same goal if i'm seeking to live in a brand new way and because to be honest life is just downright difficult sometimes life is downright painful at times i have a feeling that these people in the early church said i can't do it without them There's no way that I'm going to be able to make it without them. And that is very true of us as well. I know that for a fact that many of you, the relationships that you developed here in this church run deeper than any relationship you've ever had because people care. (laughs) I'm not saying other groups and other things that you're a part of, people don't care, but there is a deep-rooted caring that's rooted in the heart of God that you find in the community of faith that you don't find anywhere else. And I know for a lot of you, through sicknesses and and illness and being hospitalized and, and death in your family, you have used each other. You have leaned on each other. You have cried on each other's shoulders. And that's community. When we know each other well enough, when we know each other's stories well enough to say, I want to follow up on that with you. Can I pray, can I pray for that for you? I'm going to check in with you about that because I know you and I know your story and I've let you inside a little bit. And so if you didn't have that community, you weren't going to make it. Being a part of this community is not only a lifeline, it, it's, a, it's a common mission that brings us all together. You wanted to be a part of this team. It's not a fragmented group of people. There's a reason Paul says you are the body. You have to stick together because when you don't, you don't function as well as you could. You're not as effective as you could be. A finger doesn't do a lot of good without a hand. And a hand doesn't do a lot of good without an arm. And an arm doesn't do a lot of good without a body to attach it to. We need each other. We need to be a team. And this is very, very difficult for me to say as a Hawkeye fan. But I want to talk about the Cyclones. 
That might be the first time I've ever got a, like a bring it or an amen. You are more than welcome to do that. Whenever I'm preaching, you can just yell out and say a, a bring it or keep it coming. Um, but this is very difficult for me to say as a Hawkeye fan, but how can you not be impressed with the Iowa State fan base these last couple weeks? I know many of you don't, don't follow sports and you don't follow the Cyclones, but in these weeks leading up to Iowa State's bowl game, the, the Insight Bowl in Arizona, you want to talk about a community and mission? Holy cow! Okay, get a load of this. Maybe, maybe some of you aren't following this this well, but you almost felt the last several weeks that this wasn't even about a football game anymore. It was about having something greater than ourselves that we could be a part of and feel excited about. And honestly, their record was 6-6, six and six, okay? And I'm not just bashing the Cyclones. It was a mediocre year, okay? It's a 6-6 six and six football team. Not that impressive. And maybe people, the Iowa State fans, just needed something to get excited about when it's 110 below zero. But you want to talk about from the newspapers to the radio to television, these past couple weeks made you want to be a cyclone. They made you want to be a part of the team because of the buzz that was happening, because of the energy and the momentum that was happening. It was about pride and it was about unity. Now, supposedly, Iowa State had, had so many more fans down there for the bowl game than Minnesota, who they played, that I was listening to sports radio this week, and so a lot of the sportscasters, they had this contest amongst them. They were all down there in Arizona, and they were walking around to the hotels and the restaurants, and they were going all over. They had a contest about who could find a Minnesota fan first. Because the place was just swarmed with Iowa State fans, with, with, with gold and red everywhere you went. And they couldn't find any Minnesota fans. Supposedly, that the, the ticket office at Minnesota sold, sold 1,900 tickets. And the ticket office at Iowa State sold something like 8,700 tickets. Now, there's a lot more people than that at the game. But you want to talk about energy and a buzz they were a part of something bigger than themselves. There's 5,000 Iowa State fans that showed up for a pep rally the night before in a hotel, and they were busting out the doors. The, the entire state this week was electric, and it wasn't about sports. You could say the same thing about the next Harry Potter movie that's coming out. You could say the same thing about Avatar. There's a buzz for that right now. You could say the same thing about a lot of different things. It's not about what it is. It's about the energy and the momentum and the excitement and the buzz that is around a group of people. The ISU football team was on a mission. And that was to win a bowl game. And when thousands of people gather together with the same purpose and the same heart, that's powerful. And you don't want to miss it. People tuned in all over the state because they wanted a piece of the action. People were in an uproar. Oh, it's only on NFL Network. Oh, good, it's on ABC. Now we can watch it. The same thing is true for the Iowa game. People don't want to miss out. Those people with Mediacom are like, give us Fox. We've got to have Fox or we're going to die because we can't watch the Orange Bowl next week. You know, it's a life or death situation. Why? Because everybody's going to be talking about it, right? There's a buzz. Everybody's going to be saying something and I want to be in on the action. I don't want to miss out on what's going to happen. What if it were true of us, of us as God's people I- expanding his kingdom here in the city? What if, it was, what if it was undeniable from the way that we lived our lives and talked about our community when we're out in the city that we were unified 
on the mission of making disciples and serving the city around us? What if there was a buzz around that that was undeniable? What if those people that aren't even connected with the church anywhere, that they haven't even thought about, they don't even know what they think about God or Jesus or any of that. What if those people were so drawn to this community because they didn't want to miss out on what was happening? Because there was a buzz around it. Because God was doing something incredible here and you didn't want to miss out on it. Let's look at John chapter 17. If you've got your Bibles, go backwards a little bit from Acts, back to John chapter 17. Jesus is saying this prayer uh, before he dies, before uh, he goes to the cross, and this is Jesus' final hope for us as a community. John chapter 17, verse 23. It looks like we got it up on the screen here. Let's, let's read this together. These are Je- this is Jesus' prayer for us. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. It turns out that our unity, us being together, us doing life together, is what most effectively shows God's love to the world. When we are unified as the body of Christ, that most effectively communicates God's love to the world. It communicates our mission, what we're about. When we're together, we can carry out our mission. We need you. And our mission at Lutheran Church of Hope is our game plan. If you were on the Iowa State football team and you didn't go to any of the practices and you missed out on the game plan and you missed what the coach was saying, you would feel a little out of it. You wouldn't quite know, what is this all about? Why is everybody so excited about this? It's because we're trying to win a bowl game. That was the mission. And that's really the heart behind this year as a year of community, doing life together. The more we grow as a healthy, mature community of disciples, we'll be able to more effectively carry out our mission as a church. And Hope has a very simple clear mission that we've been given to carry out here specifically in the city as Lutheran Church of Hope City Branch. And that is to reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. Let's say that together like we mean it. Reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. And I thought it would be very appropriate at the beginning of a new year when so many people are making new goals and resolutions uh, of, of setting out in front of us, what is our mission? What is our vision? Where, where are we going as a community? What is all this about? To remind ourselves of what we're after. And so that is our mission. That is our purpose. That is why we exist as a church. But hope also has a vision. And a vision, a vision is different than a mission. Say that three times fast. A vision is what we hope to see happen when we do our mission well. Does that make sense? If we carry out our mission, our vision is what's going to happen. Our vision is where we're going as a community. It's something that you hold out in front of you and say, what if? What if that were true of us? Hope's vision statement is this. To be a spirited, growing, and Christ-centered community filled with hope. Let's say that together. To be a spirited, growing, and Christ-centered community filled with hope. 
And so as we move into this new year of community, we're calling it Life Together. And I believe that this vision statement paints a very beautiful picture of what life together looks like. And the amazing thing I want to share with you this morning is that it's already happening. If you look around here on a Sunday morning, if you, if you go to our different small groups during the week, if you talk to people that have been, been involved with the, the missions each month, it's happening. We are a spirited, growing, Christ-centered community filled with hope. And this year, our goal is to go deeper in that because there's always more. There's always more with God. And it is a joy to look at that on paper and to say, that is our vision and that's happening. It's happening in you. It's happening amongst you, whether you realize it or not. And so what I want to do today is just really quickly go through this vision statement and say, what does that say about community? What does each part of that vision statement say about who we're becoming as a church? So first of all, life together means we're a spirited community. So does this mean that we just get really, really excited and jump up and down and celebrate all the time? Well, kind of, that's a part of it, but there's much more to being spirited than just that. What we're really talking about is what is the source of all this, right? When we come here on Sunday morning, are we just getting together for the heck of it? What is the source of all this energy? What is the source of all this joy? When we say spirited, we're talking about the source. Simply put, it's not about us, (laughs) Everything that you see here, all the smiles you see on the faces, all the lives that are being changed here, it's not about us. Psalm 115, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. That's what being spirited is about. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. God doesn't take a week off. God doesn't take a day off. God doesn't take a moment of your life off. Spirited, God's in it. And secondly, spirited means that there's an it here. You ever walked in somewhere and you say, that place has it, right? Or you go to a group. There's, some, there's, something, there's something about it, but I don't know what it is. All I know is that it has something to do with the spirit, right? Something to do with the spirit. It's not about us. It's about God. Being a spirited community is saying, there's something here. Back in Acts 2, we read this. The early church had it. Verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Obviously, they liked each other. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. So this this new life that they were living was so contagious that all the people around them, whether they were Jewish, whether they were Christian or anything, they looked at this new group of Christians and they say, I want that. I want that. So the question is, are people saying that about us? When we're living our lives out there 24-7 in the community and somebody that wants nothing to do with the church, wants nothing to do with Jesus, would they look at your life, would they look at your community, your circle of friendships and say, I want that. I want that. And you see the difference between, uh, I think what we see in Acts is that you see the difference between a group of people where they're just putting in their time and in Acts we see a group of people that can't wait to be around each other. And what we're not saying is that all of you have to be best friends, but we are saying is that there is a common bond, a common mission, where where in that community, the word is, I can't wait to see what happens next. It's almost as if they expected big things to happen. They expected lives to be changed, people to be healed, 
people to find real friendships. God to actually answer prayers. And so whether it's here on Sundays or whether it's in your small group or just enjoying those fun activities with the people around you or, or maybe serving on one of our missions events, what if being a part of a church community was like a TV series where you just can't wait to see what happens the next week? Is anybody, just be honest, are you addicted to a TV series? Addicted is a strong word. Do you enjoy watching a series every single week and you plan your life around it? Okay, maybe that's a better way of saying it. We all have those shows. Some of my friends have just gone crazy about the show Lost, and they can't wait for the season premiere. It's coming up, or they can't wait for American Idol to start again. And, and people are, are planning their lives. They're planning parties. They're, they're planning their social calendar around these shows because they do it in community. They watch it with friends every single week. But I wonder, with all these shows, is it really about TV is that what we're so obsessed with? Is it, is it TV or is it about really connecting with something so deeply that you, you are a part of it? It's not like there's the community and I'm over here and I go in and out of it, but I am a part of it. And when I'm not there, I'm missing out. Maybe it's not even about TV. Maybe it's about that. Maybe it's about connecting with something deeper and getting involved with that story, almost to the point where you would say, I wouldn't miss it for the world. I wouldn't miss the season premiere for the world. And as for us as God's people, God has promised that when two or more of us are gathered in his name, he's there with us. That is a powerful promise. You ever thought about that? When you're sitting down with somebody at the coffee shop, Christ is living inside of you, and you bring his presence with you wherever you go to the grocery store, to the babysitters, at home, to work, to school, wherever you go, you carry him with you. And we carry with us this life, this good news, this love. There's there's a reason that we have to, to have a deeper joy and a deeper hope than anything that this world could offer. And it's not just for a season. (laughs) And we don't have to wait for the season premiere. Every single week, every single day, God goes with you and he promises, I'm going to show up. Do you expect God to take a day off once in a while just because you are? God's not going to take a day off. God's not going to take a week off. And he wants you to experience that kind of love in community. So we're called to be spirited. Second, we're called to be a growing community. And when we say growing, it doesn't mean that we're just growing taller. Um, It not only includes growing wider in terms of number of people that are here, but also growing deeper in maturity in our faith and relationship with one another. Do you feel like you know people here? Do you feel like people know you? It's kind of a double-edged sword. To know and be known is community. So first of all, with any living thing, when it's healthy, it grows. When it's watered and when it has sun, it grows. With any living thing, it's going to grow and naturally expand and spread if it's healthy. Healthy churches naturally grow in size. Lutheran Church of Hope is a massive church. We did not plan to be a massive church at all our campuses. We did not plan to be massive. When when things are healthy, they grow. And people want to be a part of it. Pastor Mike is our senior pastor. He said over and over again, he said, I would be completely happy with a church of 100 people. That would thrill me to death. The question is not always, are we growing in width? The question is also, are we growing in depth? I've said it before, you can, gr- you can grow old, but, but not grow up, right? 
We need to go on to maturity. And you'll hear us say this over and over and over and over again. We are a church of disciples, making disciples, making disciples, making disciples, etc. Dot, dot, dot. Right? That is what we exist to do. In Acts, before Jesus leaves, leaves and ascends to heaven, he says this, You are my witnesses. You are my witnesses. Go and make disciples, he says in the Great Commission. And these are powerful words. When you're following me, it's just what you do. You grow, and when you grow, you naturally invite. You want to bring other people into that thing which is healthy. You tell others. You invite people into this. And for some of you, this comes easier than others. Some of you have this really kind of skewed version of what the word evangelism is in your minds. Evangelism is life together. Evangelism is life together. That is the most effective way to welcome people in and invite them into a community of faith. When we love each other well, people will get attracted to that. Evangelism is not shoving God down people's throat. It's living your life in a way that people look at you and say, I want that. And so maybe for you, that's inviting that person in your life here on Sunday morning. Maybe it's inviting them to your small group. Maybe it's inviting them over for dinner. Maybe it's actually getting to know your neighbor. (laughs) Maybe it's inviting them over for a party. Um, But a growing community means that we never stop inviting, we never stop growing. Because it's not just for us. Our community exists for people who aren't here yet as well. For those people in our community that are desperately looking for relationships. We're growing not an, an, uh, 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 an exclusive club that's just meant to gather us here together and make us feel comfortable all the time. Every single one of us is here because of grace. Every single one of us is here, maybe not here directly to City Branch, but in the community of faith because somebody took the time to invest in your life. Every single one of you are here because somebody took the time to invest in your life, and it's my prayer that we would do the same for others. Inviting people here is not one more thing. Again, it's a natural part of what we do. But life together also means we're growing in depth. And we talked about that. Disciples making disciples making disciples. And that happens best in community. We read that in Acts chapter 2. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And so not only are they in each other's homes, in, th- in those days when you shared a meal together, that, that meant a very strong intention for friendship. That meant I'm investing in your life, I'm in your life for the long haul. That's what having a meal together. It wasn't driving through uh, McDonald's. But you were inviting each other into your lives. Community is an invitation to know and be known. And I think it's that part that gets us sometimes. Community is, it can be a scary deal for a lot of us to to actually step back and and to let somebody truly know you. But the beauty of this team, (laughs) the beauty of this family, is that you don't have to have it all together to play the game. Right? You don't have to get your act together and then go to a group and then go to a class and then go to an activity. And that leads us to the next part of this vision, a Christ-centered community. If we're Christ-centered, that means that we're centered on grace. Life together means that we're, we're coming to the place where we have nothing to hide, where we have nothing to prove. And when you come here, you can simply be yourself. Christ-centered means that this is a place of love and forgiveness, not a place to be judged and shamed for what you do or do not know. Community can be a scary thing. But the wonderful thing is that grace disarms our fears. 
Grace disarms our fears. And because at the foot of the cross, it's level. For every single one of us, it's level ground. You've heard many times us say that this is much more of a hospital for sinners than a museum for saints. Right? Much more of a hospital for sinners than a museum for saints. Community, whether it's here on Sundays or joining a small group, isn't about putting your church face on to impress others with how much you know or maybe putting your face on to hide what you're afraid people will find out. It's about opening yourself up to the love and the forgiveness that God wants to offer you through others, through community. The other part of being Christ-centered means that there's a, a lot more going on here than just your normal social gathering. And of course, there are plenty of ways that we can find community. This is a very active church. You name it in the community, I think we're doing it. I think we're involved in something. Um, but God promises us that in a very unique way, he's going to show up when we gather together centered on him, to pursue him, to seek him, and when we let him call the shots. And when it's just beyond us getting together for pleasure or to be happy or getting what we want, we start to see God move. We start to see God move through prayer and through healing. We, we start to see God move through you getting encouraged at the level of your soul. Not just, hey, you're a nice person. But you know what? I really appreciate this about you. And that is because that is the heart that God's given you. That happens when we gather together in Christ's name. We also get challenged to live from our hearts in light of eternity. This isn't just an ordinary community. It's a Christ-centered community. We're called to be a spirited, growing, Christ-centered community, finally filled with hope. There is something unique about doing life together. We offer each other a hope that's beyond our day-to-day circumstances, beyond the struggles that you might be having at work or in your marriages or in your families, struggles to make ends meet, or to get back on your feet again. Maybe struggles that you have that you have more questions than answers today. Sometimes the questions are like, will winter ever end? But sometimes the questions are a little bit deeper. And it's the community that you turn to that has that greater purpose. That when times are hard, that when we don't see so clearly, we hold out that vision in front of us to be a spirited, growing, Christ-centered community filled with hope. When you're here, there's hope for you. There's hope. Life together. And so what we've talked about today is just a glimpse, just an overview. And in the next few weeks, the next few months, we're going to be diving into every single one of those topics a little bit deeper. And uh, we want you to be along for the ride. We really do. And Sunday morning is a part of that. But community is a really big part of that. Something happens when we do life together. And I know that some of you are maybe making New Year's resolutions, but I do think it's kind of strange sometimes that we make New Year's resolutions always based on things on the outside. A lot of us are really worried about how we look, what other people think of us, and so we make resolutions based on what's on the outside. But this year, what if our New Year's resolutions turned inward to tackle some of those fears and insecurities that you might have about going deeper in relationship with people, about some of those doubts that you may have. Because some of those fears are really legit. 
For some of you, it feels really, really vulnerable to say, I'm going to be in a group. I'm going to get to know four or five other people. For many of you, it feels vulnerable. Maybe it's too awkward. Maybe it feels too stressful on your schedule. Maybe for some of you, it's just the fear of the unknown. If I go to somebody's house and I don't know those people, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to me? But maybe this year, maybe these next couple weeks is the time to invite Jesus into those places of your heart that have some fear and insecurity in them. And just to ask Jesus, what would you have me do? Jesus, am I experiencing all that you want from me in community? And so it's our prayer in the next couple weeks that you would spend some time in prayer about, about God's heart for you, what he's desiring for you to be a part of this community this year and to ask, what's the next step for me? What does that look like for me? Is it, is it getting started? Is it getting moving again after kind of being off course for a while? Or is it really taking that next step into maturity? Maybe you kind of feel like you've been at a plateau and it's time to take that next step. What's holding you back? What's holding you back? And I believe that God wants to speak directly into that place in your heart. Well, that's enough for today. And I thought, you know what? We have to be fair. We can't talk about the Cyclones if we're not going to talk about the Hawkeyes. And I've got some preparations to make before my Hawkeyes take the field on Tuesday. And I can't wait for Tuesday night when I will join with tens of thousands of Hawkeye fans all over the state and all over the nation and cheer the Hawks on to victory. That's something to get excited about. But I'll be honest. Seeing a church come alive with deep relationships and a passion for the purpose of sharing the everlasting love of Jesus Christ with the world around us, that beats any football game, hands down. That's why I'm excited for 2010. Amen?